What if I told you growth happens after the collapse? What if I told you separately we are weak, but together we change the world? This is a personal development social experiment designed to grow the participants, the producer, and the audience equally. This is 30 for 30. This is 30 for 30, a series presented by iCoach. Uh, personal development is the basis of this, where we talk, we learn, and we grow. Uh, I'm joined by a good friend, Stuart Hardy, uh, who's been a uh, just unbelievable blessing to me as an individual, uh, as life has gone for me. Uh, we've been able to connect. Uh, I've joined a Bible study with him, and uh, I've seen just what God can do when he's working through people. So, Stuart, thank you so much for joining me. Oh man, I'm just humbled and honored to be a part of this. I, I love I love the thirty for thirty idea. Thank you, thank you. I I'll, I, I said if anybody mentions it, I'm gonna give credit where credit's due. Uh, but way back in the beginning of the pandemic, I sat down with Ed Jones uh, from University of Kansas, and I knew him when he was a high school coach in, at High Tower. I was at Crosby, uh, and he had he's taken off, done some great things, but. He reached out to everybody and said he just wanted to have kind of an off-the-record conversation. And I said, that's a fantastic idea to grow mm. to 30 people. So let's do it. Uh, and it's, it's taken off. It's been amazing. This is a little more on the record, but still just as real as possible. Uh, so, Stuart, as, uh, as you join us, I want to uh, first start with what got you to Coppell, Texas, and what got you from uh, grade school through high school to where you are now. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, a little town in Alabama called Selma, Alabama. Very small town, but big name. You know, a lot of history. My my parents, my grandparents were born and raised there, so that that's home. Um, so for 15 of my 18 years of living at home, we lived in Selma. We moved to South Alabama for three years. but And that was a, a pivotal moment. I, when I think back on my life, I think back of, you know, significant milestones and, and moving – from Selma going in eighth grade down to South Alabama for three years, just was a God thing. Um, just, just a different school, different set of friends. I think God kind of got our family um, closer together. We moved back to Selma for my junior and senior year. And, you know, Selma's a, a very interesting town, a lot, a lot of history. Um, we could talk hours on the history, but growing up there, and I don't, I don't think it's just me, but for me, you don't really understand the history growing up there because a couple of reasons it's, you know, it's like anywhere you live, you don't truly understand the history. You're always looking somewhere else. Um, but two, you know, I think there's, there was two sides of history taught. Um, looking back, I'm not convinced that, you know, the, the whole story wasn't, wasn't taught growing up. Um, and just like, I mean, there, there is, there's two sides to every story, but when it comes to history, um, I look back and I don't feel, don't think I fully understood it. And then when I was 18, I made a, a decision to, to join the Air Force. I didn't like school. I knew going to college was not going to be probably the best move for me at the time. And so um, I was telling the story to a friend the other day. Um, 
I think I've gotten a little wiser now, but as 18, my dad dropped me off to get my physical. And at the end of the day, I called him. I said, okay, dad, I'm ready. You can come pick me up. He said, how'd it go? I said, well, I signed up. He goes, you don't want to think about it? I said, they gave me 30 minutes. And so <laughs> that was, you know, I was 18. And so uh, I joined the Air Force. I go San Antonio, do my basic training. And then my, I get my first assignment. It's in a, Idaho. And I had honestly grown up in Alabama. I really didn't have a clue where that was. I pulled out a map. I had no clue. So I, I made the drive. I, I bought my first car um, when I got to go home for two weeks and sell them. And I drove across Texas up to Amarillo, New Mexico, Colorado, New Utah, up to Idaho. And it was just, it was unbelievable. But another life-changing event happened there when um, – Someone looked at me and said, where are you from? I said, Selma, Alabama. And they said, oh, you know, we're, we're still segregated. And that really bothered me because I remember thinking, really? It hadn't been like that in years. But then it, it had me start thinking through some things that it was more divided than I ever, than I ever realized living there. And it caused somebody questioning me that. Um, for me to, to really think about it. And I went from Idaho to uh, out in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska for a year. They end up in D.C. Another pivotal conversation in the Air Force that really changed my life um, was I, I was in processing at the base in D.C. And this, this, this young man, African-American guy, looked at me. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Selma, Alabama. He said, so am I. He said, I know where you went to school. I said, excuse me? He goes, I'm, yeah, look, look in the mirror. Wow. And I was like, wow. And that really, you know, that's, that's 1994. That's not 1964. It's 1994. And that, that shook me up. I was uh, 21. And, and that's just something that it, it stuck with me like, like it was yesterday. Being asked that question. And at first being offended by it, but then having to look in the mirror and go, he's right. Yes. And so that just started me on this journey of just trying to process division, trying to process racism, because I had heard uh, my parents were not racist. I can proudly, I can tell you without a doubt, my parents saw everybody as people, but I'm not going to say everybody I was surrounded with thought the same thing. And so it caused me to really do a lot of internal reflection. I don't think I truly dealt with it until um, my, I had kids and they were asked questions about daddy, where are you from? And you know, what's it like? And so my mom lives in Selma, what's it like? And, um, and it just really has bothered me over the years. Um, not that I've done anything bad to act on those, on that, but I know there was division in my heart just because I didn't know any different. Um, and so it's taken a long journey to, to process that. And, and um, another event that really changed my life, not really related to dealing with race, but in 2014, my parents, my dad retired and they moved down to Belize to serve full-time as missionaries. They've been going down for years. And he, he, he was going down in, uh, for a week, a week or two at a time. I started going for a week. And then in 2014, he, he had a routine surgery down there. We had to fly him back here. Things did, didn't go well in, in some of the recovery. And he ended up passing away. Um, 
And at that point, that year, I was supposed to take my now 16-year-old son who was, uh, that was 2014, so 11 years old at the time on his first mission trip that summer. Well, dad passes away three months before that, so we take my mom down, kind of do closure to that. And that really rocked my world because my dad was my, my compass, uh, my, my best friend, the guy we text every day. Um, if we didn't talk, it was mo- a lot of texting. And, and so anyway, that door in Belize closed. And then you fast forward January, 2015, that's the uh, 50th anniversary of the civil rights movement in Selma. And so Selma's getting all this attention. And so you start to feel like I just had this burning in my heart. What can I do? What can I do? I'm a doer. And it's like everybody in the country is going to Selma trying to do something. Now is not the right time, but I wasn't satisfied. And so um, they have the big celebration in March, April, the end of April, just so happened to be literally the day, one year to the day my dad passed away. My son, just knucklehead Instagram post of dunking a Nerf hoop, um, a basketball goal, post on Instagram. And it started a conversation with some guys who had gone to Belize with us that summer. We did a basketball camp. And I just made a comment. I said, how about it? we, we uh, reunite in Selma this, this summer? This is April the 29th, April 30th. Mm-hmm. And I get this text message of, uh, are you serious? Check yes or no. Kind of like the little elementary school love letters. Um, I said, mm-hmm. yes. And so May 1st, I have a conversation with a guy in Selma. And we, I literally Googled all in sports outreach. The name is not taken. I'm like, let's register the name because Selma is a small town. We got so many churches and, you know, just like anywhere else, churches don't always work well together. So like we cannot identify with the church. And so the theme of our camp in Belize was all in. Uh, what does it mean to be all in your walk with Christ? Well, it means being all in in school, at home, at work. It's everything. It's not just on Sundays. And so we Googled it. That was uh, May 1st. We did a four-day basketball camp. We went to the probably the poorest neighborhood in town. We took some basketball goals and um, just invited kids out. And we taught basketball. We had some great coaches, you know, teaching basketball with excellence, but also sharing about Jesus. And, you know, I'll be honest, I mean, people there even um, in that neighborhood, like, why are you coming to us? Nobody does that. And it's like, well, that's, that's what, that's the model of Jesus. We're not going to load you on the van and take you to the YMCA. We're going to come to you. So we did that for, for a few years, and that really um, changed my family because also that year being the 50th anniversary brought up a lot of questions. The movie Selma came out, and so I did a lot of digging of history, and it just really rocked my world, um, changed my life. I, I believe it changed the course of my family. Not Like, again, not that we had a lot of bad stuff in us, but it really caused us to really, really dig deep and go, okay, we need to be intentional. And so the organization, that's how it started. Um, and then we did some camps, and now it's just strictly some media stuff. But it was just the heartbeat of that sports is, it, it is one of the few things. I think sports and food are probably the only two things that bring people together. Mm-hmm. I and I like both of them, so you got to pick both, <laughs> you know, so we pick sports. There you go. There you go. Man, that reminds me of, uh, gosh, uh, I had first year being a, a varsity football coach. Uh, I was down in in, a, uh, in Frisco, Texas, and the head coach said, uh, there's a FCA football camp that we're going to go to. He mm-hmm. said, who's in? And so me and the whole offensive staff, we said, we're in. Let's go. 
offensive staff was in the go. We caravanned in a suburban. At the time, I had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a five-month-old, and a wife who was like, okay, you're going to be coaching football, and I'm going to be uh, watching these kids this whole time, right? So we go over to an FCA camp in North Carolina. Uh, we are one staff that's there, and there's a Division II college that's a defensive staff there. Uh, what I didn't know was that the football part of it was just part of it. Uh, the other part of it is that each coach was able to share their testimony. Mm. And from that moment, uh, which reminds me of the camp, you have kids from all over, some of the poorest kids from Memphis, Tennessee, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. We had a, a ton of kids from North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, it was it was eye-opening that they were there uh, because sports united them, but they were there because they were searching for something. They were searching for Jesus. Right. That's right. And sports is one of the few things I think that, that bring, that does that. Yes. Um, yes. And consistently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One thing that I'll never remember, this was probably 12 years ago. So this young man who was 15 is probably, uh, you know, I'm not good at math, but probably 28, 29 years old right now. Uh, he gave his life to Christ after one of the coaches shared their testimony on the field as we huddled up. And there were kids of every every race that you can imagine, uh, from different backgrounds. And every kid was low socioeconomic, uh, but he was in a situation where that he said that he uh, he should he's been acting up, and he shouldn't be acting up because he was on his way. His uh, his mom's boyfriend was, was driving her to get an abortion, and she jumped out of the car to give him a chance at life, and he had been living like he needed to live, and that because he he heard the coach's testimony of what he could do to change his life. That's what was going to happen. And that changed me forever. Uh, the way I coach, the way I parent, the way I interact with my spouse, everything. That changed everything for me. So having an outreach program, I, I don't know if you're aware how many kids' lives you touched in, but I'm sure it was a ton. Mm -hmm. And then by having the All In Sports Outreach uh, podcast, which I just – I think we followed each other on Twitter, and I was like, let me check yeah. this out. And uh, I went through and <laughs> proceeded to listen to every single one you've ever recorded. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I get something new from every one that I listen to. So tell me this. How do you reach out to these people and, and get them to, to share so willingly their testimony? Because I know some people are very private about their religion. Yeah, you know, before I get to that, I'll tell you, it started just because not a frustration, but – you know, the not to knock a guy like Dabo Swinney or Tony Dungy, but they have the platform. But I just was having a conversation with a friend and said, but what about the local coach, the local athlete? Everybody's got a story. He's like, well, started. I'm like, I'm, all, I'm not a techie. So that's how we started. And the plan was to be one a month. And um, to this day, I remember I, I interviewed Logan Simmons, young <laughs> coach that involved with FCA coaches at Lampasas High School now, and interviewed him. Back then I was doing it via phone. And I'll never forget, he and I never met as just via Twitter. And he said, hey, I'll, I think you should call these five people. So I tell people all the time, not to, not multi-level marketing, but it's, that's how it started. A guy says, you know, I, the first few was just people I'd reached out to. And then it started with Logan saying, hey, you should call these five people. And then I did because, I, you know, I, I'm not afraid to reach out to anybody. And the worst thing to do is not respond or just say no. And then that's just how it, it just started that way. You know, then it was that person would say, hey, call these three or call these four or call these five. And it's just, you know, God's just been incredibly good. Um, 
and gracious and it's turned into not by my design, not by anybody's design, primarily a ministry to coaches. Um, and we, I mean, we have been very fortunate to interview some bigger name folks, but it's those local guy, local high school coaches, local athletes, small college coaches that just have incredible stories just like everybody else. And I can tell you, um, if nobody ever listens to them, I'm okay with that because just the conversations I have with those people, it changes me, every one of them. I take notes diligently, and there's so many things I've learned. I'm not a coach, but I've learned to be a better husband, be a better dad, be a better man um, just from talking to – to people. So, and you know, as a parent, it's encouraging to know, because I think inside, even inside the Christian circle, inside the church, we hear what's wrong with the school system, what's wrong with the public schools a lot. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is um, there are coaches all across the United States that love Jesus, all races, all ages. And there's a ton of them. You know, every time I think I've talked to a lot, it's like, Somebody else send me a list of 20 more guys. Hey, you need to talk to these. I don't have enough time, you know, but it's just a, it's just a reminder. There are godly men and women all over the country in the schools that love Jesus and love people and they're making an impact. We need to get behind them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's encouraging about that for me is knowing that first so many have uh, been referred to you or have reached out to you to share their, share, share their testimony. They're unashamed of, of what mm -hmm. they believe. And then uh, really what's, what's going on right now in, uh, in the course of our nation, uh, because I, I think it's impossible to truly be a Christian and hate any of God's creation. I don't think those two coincide. It just, it just can't work. And so with the, the complexity of the race relations of what's happening in our nation and, uh, people losing their lives and then the retaliation of how, how that's being played out in the media. Uh, it, it puts everybody in a tough situation. Uh, I think coaches, especially because they are the ones who have to be able to relate to every player they have, no matter what they, what their parents believe, you know, what the kids' parents believe, what the, uh, what the kids come home, go to, go, go to school and then come home and hear, and then bring a lot of that rhetoric back with them to the school building. So, with the importance of what what's going on here uh let's uh let's kind of address the state of america right now oh that's deep um i think it comes down to a, a one simple thing and i i won't for I, I won't remember the name of the coach that said this on the podcast i always ask people their favorite scripture and one of them talked about in genesis is we're we're all creating god's image and it goes on to transition to, if that's true, we should pursue excellence. If we believe we have an awesome God, then we're all awesome. Because it says we're all creating God's image. And I think, I think we've lost sight of that, personally. Um, I think it's so, everything is, is tied to politics now. That we, we don't view things as followers of Christ through the lens of Jesus. We view it through the lens of left and right, Democrat, Republican first. And I think that's inside the church and outside. That's not, and that's not directed at any one group. That's, I think, across the board. And, and so that, caused, that, that causes us to be blind to, to the real issue. Um, the other thing I think is happening is we don't listen to understand. You know, I tell my kids, and they think I'm crazy when I say this, but I tell them, don't listen with your mouth. It's listen with your ears. 
like with daddy, what's that mean? When I say listen with your mouth, you're listening to respond, not listening to understand. And, and we don't have enough conversations today. And, you know, we get on, you know, you and I met through social media. There's a lot of good things happening on social media, but you can wake up any morning and, and, and look at it. And there's somebody sharing something divisive. And it's somebody, you know, somebody I know. And it's because we, we look at it through the lens of left and right, Democrat, Republican, not Jesus. It, but then we're quick to post a Bible verse right after that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the part that really has me um, with a heavy heart and really struggling because I'm, I'm trying to process everybody's creating God's image. That's all people. And then Jesus says multiple times to love your neighbors yourself, love your neighbors yourself, love your neighbors yourself. Well, if I love my neighbor who is you, it's anybody like I do myself, then there should be no, no division, no hatred. But then right before Jesus dies, he, he tells the disciples, I give you a new commandment, John 13, 34, is to love others as, you have, as I have loved you. Well, that's different than loving your neighbor as yourself. He takes it a step further and says, look at how I've loved you. That's how you go love everybody. Yes. You know, I think if we truly believe that, then we need to all sit down, myself included, and do a, check, a heart check. Because if I say I believe that as a follower of Christ, is, and, I, and I believe if I, if I say I'm holding up a Bible here, if I, if I say I believe this is true, and I do, I believe every, every word written here is the word of God, then how can there be division? How can there be hate? Because yes. I'm saying I follow a God that loves everybody. I'm saying I'm, I'm trying to be like Jesus every day, and Jesus didn't see division. He didn't see race. He didn't see socioeconomics. He saw people as people, yes. you know, and, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody last week about, about this. And, and I came across the story of Jesus um, healing the leper. And I, and I've heard that story all my life. You know, mm -hmm. it's one of Jesus's miracles, but something stood out when I read it last week that, you know, many of us look at people like that person, we would look at them as a leper, they're, they're diseased. And in that time, they're outcasts. And we view people the same way. Jesus healed the person. You know, he didn't look at them as an outcast. He looked at them as somebody created just like him. So until we get to the point of viewing people the way Jesus views them, we're going to have these issues. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree 100%. One thing that makes it, makes it difficult is, uh, and I'll, I'll even speak on some of the divisive things that have been shared. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually took a, a, a complete break from social media uh, today. Uh, this is Tuesday. This is Blackout Tuesday uh, because uh, it, there was too much, too much negativity being spread. Uh, but I saw a post that alluded to, uh, you guys blew it, was the title. It said you had uh, everyone's ear, everyone's attention, Everyone was focused on fixing the problem, and then you decided to start looting and rioting, and you blew your opportunity. And that hurt, that hurt a little bit when I read that. I said, well, you know, we always say a few bad apples. You know, it's not always the whole bunch that's bad. But so you're telling me that this is our one time in 437 years that we were, actually had your attention, and we blew it. And so now my my, my son's lifetime and his grandkids' lifetime and his great grandkids' lifetime, 
maybe we'll get another chance in another 437 years to get somebody's attention. And that, that, that's hard to, it's hard to handle because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Uh, a man lost his life, uh, as many have before him, uh, unarmed to the hands of police officers, to the hands of vigilantes, to the, hand, to the hands of people who feel that they're above the law, and then the law proves that right sometimes by acquitting them or not even charging. But then we also have people who are running into stores and stealing personal items and have nothing to do with that cause at all. So right is right, wrong is wrong. How come we can't pay attention to both? How, can, how come we can't say, yes, those actions are wrong? And how, can, how come we can't address those both? Why do we have to choose a side? That's right. Yeah, I think, I think it goes back to the, the lens we use. I saw that same post last night, mm-hmm. and uh, I was angry. Yeah. Um, I saw it, and I thought, really? One chance? Mm-hmm. How in the world can you share that and believe that? Yes. You know, I just, I can't, I can't comprehend that mentality. And, and as long as that mentality exists, um, unfortunately, we're going to be in, in this same cycle. And um, because to say that that was the one opportunity when there was a chance last month, <laughs> I mean, yes. in Georgia, that without it. a video, that, that case never goes public. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, that mentality really, really angers me. I don't have an anger issue typically, but when I see stuff like that, um, it, it's everything in me not to, not to get into a debate, but I don't think social mm-hmm. media is the right platform for that. So I just keep scrolling. Yep. But, mm-hmm. but when I see that, it, it really, it, it really makes me angry. I saw that last night and I'll tell you another, an, another quick, quick story. I saw something else last night that really it hurt. Um, and I don't think anybody's trying to hide it because it got on social media, but the town I live in, um, a young girl was went for a jog yesterday in the parks is a pedestrian bridge. Somebody had spray painted kill and I'll let you fill in the next word starts with an N. This is, year 2020 wow wow and it's really that destroyed me last night um because i just can't comprehend that um and i'll be honest our city manager came out today like we do a graffiti all the time we go and we clean the words at this time we clean the words but we can't take away the damage you know and so when I see that, it's just a reminder that right is right, wrong is wrong. And until we change the lens of how we view things, we're still going to be fighting this battle, but it's a battle we're fighting. Yes. You know, I just, I think I told you before we started recording for years, um, I didn't speak up for various reasons. Um, none, none, none of the reasons were good. I just didn't. Um, but for whatever, you know, recently it's just, I'm, I'm just sick and tired. You know, if it causes me to lose friends, I don't care. If it causes me to lose some family members don't want to be around me, then I don't care anymore. You know, it's not, it's not worth trying to save a relationship or try to save a reputation over not wanting to offend somebody for something that's right. I mean, right is right, wrong is wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've, I've, I've had enough, man. It's just, 
it just makes me mad because yes. I, I don't know how you feel. I'll never know how you feel, especially having a son. You know, I don't have, I have three kids. I have to have tough conversations with my kids, but conversations I have are totally different than you're having. And I'll never have those conversations, you know, and I, I've gotten into some pretty spirited debates on white privilege. Oh, it doesn't exist. I'm like, what? Well, they, and the common argument is, well, I've had struggles in my life. Well, yeah. White privilege doesn't mean that you're not going to have hardships. It means that I have access that you don't. You know, I get, I get better treatment than others. And so having those conversations with my kids is different than what you have to have. But um, it's just, it's tough. Um, it's tough to process. And I, 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 you and I, another thing we we're talking about beforehand, I think it's been out there the last couple of days. And I, you know, I'm glad people are finally speaking up on this. It's, it's not, change is not going to happen by you getting people to go to a peaceful protest. It's going to happen. People like me get sick and tired and stand up and get white friends out there and go enough is enough. We do it together. We can't Mm -hmm. expect the African American community to continue to step up and go black lives matter. Um, and then everybody else go, well, all lives matter. Well, duh. Yes, all lives matter. But when one's hurting, we go we'll get the one. Yes. Um, we love the one. It doesn't mean we don't love the others. But mm-hmm. until the white community comes together and says enough is enough, right is right, wrong is wrong, we're not going to – we're going to keep fighting this battle. I agree. I agree 100%. I uh, I got some, a little bit, not really some flag, but some, uh, just a post I made, because I, I have a ton of friends, and I think we, we talked a little bit about the political aspect, and this is mm-hmm. not a political aspect, this is a right and wrong aspect that we're talking about in life, uh, but you can always tell which way someone's leaning by how they resist. Well, uh, the quote I, I, I typed up, and it just hit me, and I said, this is exactly how I feel right now. And it's that the irony of privilege is remaining silent when other people's mm. lives are in jeopardy, but being aggressively vocal when yours is inconvenience. And there were so many people saying how they needed a haircut or uh, it's ridiculous. This is America. I have to wear a mask to go in a store. This is ridiculous. And they were shouting on the steps of City Hall and police officers' faces armed to the T with uh, long rifles and very, very, very intimidating. Very intimidating. But then we get somebody shot and let's wait, a black man gets killed and let's, let's wait till we get all the facts, you know, before yeah. we jump to judgment. And that, that hurts. That, that's, it's almost comical that we can't see what, what the right is and see what the wrong is, that we can't decipher the two. We can't see how a, a, a whole community is, is, is hurt by, uh, by a young child losing their father or a mother losing their son and how that has a ripple effect that's negative that can affect generations. But we can see how the 10 weeks without getting a haircut kind of makes you look shaggy. And we get upset about that. And uh, I had some some great debates, but some of the best, uh, not really debates, I just let people talk. I didn't even respond. But one of the best was the messages I got from a class that I taught. Uh, I was one year at a very, very affluent uh, private school here in Texas, uh, and uh, I was teaching government and economics, and it's with mm. a worldview, and so I get to speak from what 
the Bible states versus what our economy states and what political influences state. Uh, and so we got to the 13th Amendment. And so I got a bunch of permission slips and I took it to the headmaster. He said, go for it, uh, send it home. Uh, but we talked about, we looked at the Netflix documentary, 13. And if you haven't seen it, I, I very much uh, recommend you check it out. But it shows the institutionalized racism and how uh, people end up going to jail as an extension of slavery, uh, other than for for less violent crimes, and, and kind of how that has affected the whole economic makeup of our country. And so, by the end of going through the uh, lesson, I felt I was like, okay, let me go ahead and update the resume because I'm probably going to get fired. But there's a lot of truth there. Well. You know, fast forward a couple of years later, these same kids are in college. Uh, their parents are some of my friends on Facebook. Uh, we, we interact on Twitter, uh, phone calls, everything else. They said, we see exactly what you were teaching. We, we appreciate you teaching a, a, a different point of view because that's exactly what we've seen happen over the past few weeks. And I say all that to say that just because you're brought up a certain way uh, and you've learned a certain thing your whole life and you think that's the norm, it's not everybody's norm. And I think empathy is what helps us heal. Being able to things from somebody else's point of view without judgment, without right. uh, combat it, just listen. And that helps everybody. Just, just listen, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's tough. I mean, I think we all struggle with it because you know, we, we want to be right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Nobody wants to be wrong, but yeah, we got to listen, 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 and just change the lens. Yes. Yes. That was uh, a <laughs> one. And, and I guess the last thing I'll say is that, you know, I've had, a, I've had some conversations with my son uh, over the years, not just with this situation, but I, I always say the same conversation my mom had for me when I was a teenager and I started driving and everything else. And she mm -hmm. said, uh, if you ever get pulled over, be who you are, be respectful, and just like I raised you to be, but don't argue. Mm. Be right, or you can go home, and I'd rather you come home to me, and we'll figure out what's wow. right. And, you know, wow. as, as frustrating as that can be, especially as a young man with a temper and everything else, the older you get, that's the same thing I'm telling my kids. My daughter, we, <laughs> ooh, she's definitely gonna get pulled over, because I'm trying to teach her how to drive right now, good Lord, but, uh, we are, we're definitely going to see uh, if she listens and follows the advice of you're going to be right or you're going to go home. That's the big thing. Wow, that's powerful. I mean, that's just, that just leaves me. I'm often, I'm not often speechless, but that one is just, wow, that, that, that hits, hits home. And you're right, because mm -hmm. there's no need to be combative. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Now, Oof. I, I want to, it's hard to change gears right now, but I want to. We, we That's cool. <laughs> That's uh, what I would like to do here is, uh, I know every, every podcast I've listened to, you ask your guests what their favorite Bible verse is, uh, or what's a, what's a verse that's very meaningful to them. Uh, I want to ask you more specifically, uh, when times are darkest and, and you feel, feel down and you feel discouraged, what's a, what's a verse that you turn to that helps renew your faith? I'd say there's, the main one would be Philippians 4. I'm looking up now, 4, 6, and 7. 
Um, do, do not be anxious for anything, but everything um, with thanksgiving. Um, present your request to God, um, you know, through prayer and supplication. I got it kind of out of order there, but that do not be anxious for anything is, is something that it's hard to not be anxious, but, um, but that, that, that's, that's powerful for me because I do at times have a tendency to worry and to overanalyze things. And so I, I have to rest in that. Um, then it goes on in verse seven, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I can tell you that became real to me um, when my dad passed away because that was unexpected. And just, I still can't describe it to people the right way, but that was probably one of the darkest times in my life, but some of the most peaceful time is that peace of God is real when we truly just go to him and know that his plans, you know, whether I'm going through something small or something tragic, his plans are always better than mine. So there's no need for me to be anxious. Um, so just, just always being thankful with a thankful heart and then resting in God and, and, and praying, just understanding that his peace is all I need. I don't need, I don't need anything from anybody else in the world, you know, so just resting in that just get, gets me through a lot. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a lot like you in that aspect. I, I, I'm always worried about something. I'm always concerned. Mm-hmm. And what, what could I do better here? And, you know, and as, as much as it's okay to, to always work to improve yourself, there's something to be said about just the peace that, that God gives you when you said a prayer about it and you know, you can let it go. You can just drop it and it's, it's taken care of because you, you sent your, your, your request to Christ and that's who controls it anyway. All you can do is, uh, is continue to stay prayerful and, and follow. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because if I try to control it too much, I'm going to mess it up anyway. So, you know, if I can just get away, uh, uh, it's going to end up a lot better anyway. You know? That's 100% right. <laughs> well, Stuart, this, is, uh, this has been a thorough development. I, I can't tell you how, uh, how down I was before we started talking. Can't tell you how down I was before we started talking. But uh, since, uh, since we've gotten into this uh, – this the personal development. I won't call it a podcast. Uh, I, I feel some. I feel renewed. Uh, I feel like I can. Uh, I can lean on Christ and and stop trying to control everything because we can't. We can't do it. So hey, I've enjoyed it too. I've. Uh, it's been one of those days for me. Uh, one of those long days, and you know, just heavy from a lot of different things. But yeah, this has been a, a definitely encouragement for me to to hear hear from you as well. Um, you know, I know we've. We don't communicate a lot, but when we do, I'm always encouraged. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for any listeners, any viewers that want to check out the podcast, you are on every, nearly every uh, every outlet, correct, Stuart? Are you on? I believe so. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you just, I tell people all the time, it's Google All In Sports Outreach Podcast, and it pops up. Or whatever podcast platform you use, just type it in, and it comes up. And, yeah, we'd, we'd love people to listen. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of encouragement there. And I can, uh, I can attest to that. Well, Stuart, thank you very much. And uh, this is, uh, this has been our 30 for 30. Thank you.